Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. world is basically anybody outside of patrol um, that's not a detective. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, if there's a special need for something like going to, um, there's a warrant out for someone's arrest, uh-huh. uh, we would go do it. Um, and then like undercover narcotics, I did a lot of that kind of stuff. I did a lot of uh, prostitution decoy stuff where I would get female police officers, put them out in front of hotels and stuff like that and get Johns to make dates with them and make cases. And a lot of times that led to narcotics and all kinds of other uh, stuff. I um, I would do undercover operations where I would go pick up prostitutes um, and then I would use those prostitutes then to become confidential informants for me and then build a, a lot of narcotics cases, uh, several homicide cases we cleared, um, a number of robbery cases, a lot of fencing cases. There's a lot of stuff that we did that just because I was working prostitution stuff, I was able to clear a whole bunch of other cases because of it. Yeah. So it's not it's not just your answer calls for service <laughs> wearing a uniform type thing. So it was, it was a lot of cool stuff that we did. So, uh, you know, I... I understand that doctors, for example, love to get the cancer case or the intestines case, you know, if they're a, if they're a gastro guy. Yeah. Um, did you look forward to the, uh, the more crazy stuff? Oh, the, the crazier it was, the more adrenaline that it required. Um, I, I was in, sign me up, let's go. Um, you know, the higher the heart rate that, that you would get, the, the more I'm in, um, the more intense it got, um, it, just bring it on. Adrenaline uh, junkie. Big time. Oh, yeah. Huge adrenaline junkie. Bullets flying past your head. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the first time I heard a bullet whiz past my head, it pretty much changed my life. It, 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 I tell people all the time, when you hear that hiss, it you never go back. <laughs> well, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, that I've never heard that hiss, and I don't think I want to. No, it's it's not for everyone. <laughs> it's definitely not for everyone. Um, what do you do when you have downtime? Let's just get to know you a little bit. Um, downtime now. Um, I'm real big into the shooting sports, um, and I literally become a serial entrepreneur. I, all I want to do is build more businesses and more businesses and more businesses or help other people build their businesses. Yeah. It, it, it's just become like just fun for me. Um, just sit there and watch people succeed and, and help them succeed or just give them a little tiny piece of advice. Um, and you know, now officially I'm a firearms and tactical trainer, but you know, that's just kind of a fun thing for me to go do now. Yeah. You remind me of me. I, I love starting businesses, running them less interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, it's the, the stress and the constant, Hey, I got to get this done so that this can happen and this can happen and this can happen. And then this construction has to happen. You know, it's the building of it is the big part. And I'll let somebody else run it later. Yeah. Yeah. The day to day stuff. There's no adrenaline in that. No, 
It's yeah. just frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when my wife and I owned a tanning salon, uh, somebody called up and said, the stapler is broken. And she goes, do you think I can fix that? You know, yeah. uh, fix it yourself or yeah. call a plumber or yeah. somebody. Call up Staples and order a new one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what are the, what are the, some of the stupidest things you've done in your life? Oh, geez. I've done a lot of dumb things. Um, I've kicked in doors that I probably should have just tried the doorknob on. Um, uh, let's see. There was uh, a prostitute by the name of Sheila. She was um, she was probably one of my best informants ever. Uh -huh. um, and it literally, I wrote her a $200 check once um, just so that I knew that she would eat. Um, because I knew she'd have to go to the bank to cash it to put it into her bank account. Um, so I knew that she would actually have money. Um, and then come to find out, I found her three days later, and she had been on a uh, three-day bender just getting high as a kite and everything else. I'm like, okay, guess what, Sheila? Our relationship is over now. And she's went into rehab got it got in contact with me like three months later and she's like hey look i'm going through rehab this is what i'm doing and everything else i want to work for you again and i go look and you got to stay off the streets then and she's like well then i can't work for you you know and i'm like well i'd rather you be off the street and not work for me than uh -huh. than be doing what you're doing but if you're going to be on the street then you know, I want you to work for me because she was really good at getting information and getting intelligence and getting everything that uh, she needed or that I needed to uh, clean up a bunch of cases. That's uh, that's quite the moral dilemma. Do I uh, ask somebody to stay on the street because of all the uh, rot they're cleaning up? Yeah. It's one of those uh, trolley car questions. Oh, it truly is. It truly is. And the sad part is about six years later, we found her dead um, from an overdose. You know, and it's just that kind of stuff. That was kind of the the norm for if if they were able, the people that we were working with, um, if we were able to keep them as an informant for more than two years, it was amazing. So in that case, Sheila was really really good, um, and she surprisingly did real well, even though she had several uh, drug addictions. So in uh, in my mind. Let's talk about the man card for a minute. Mm -hmm. So your man card is uh, what your job is, how, how masculine that is. It's how much money you make, how hot your wife is, how good your kids are, how big a house you're in. Yep. Whether you drive a, uh, a minivan or a, uh, yep. a, 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 some sort of a diesel yep. truck. Yep. Um, what the body looks like, you know, <laughs> all of those things that we that we all all those rules that we all put on ourselves yeah what's your man card look like oh being a type a personality my man card is huge and it is testosterone filled <laughs> <laughs> um it, i and i'm i am ultra ultra competitive and the funny part is it's taken me probably 10 years now to realize the only person i'm really competing with is myself right um, but it used to be, well, Hey, David just, uh, you know, he just bench pressed 300. So now I got to go bench press 300 or, Hey, 
he just he just got a half a million dollars in a drug bust. So now I got to go get a half a million dollars in a drug bust. Yeah, five hundred one thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's it's just I got to be just that one step better than everybody else, and it just cracks me up because I was so ultra competitive that it. I just needed to be better than everybody else. And that literally, that was what drove me is I had to be better than everyone else, you know, and it didn't stop at just work. I had to be able to out drink them. I had to be able to out party them. I had to be able to out ski them. I had to be able to play harder than they did. It's, it just became, Hey, you've got to do everything better. Yeah. And I'm guessing that, uh, probably, uh, like the rest of us normal humans, that there's uh, there's corners of your man card that uh, you're not happy with. Oh, yeah. Big time. Talk to me. Um, big one was, um, in, was it November 26th, uh, 2016, uh, was the day that I had my, my last drink. <laughs> um, and I literally, I was up to a gallon of Jack Daniels a week. Whoa. Yeah. Um, my normal come home from work would be... Um, hit at least two beers, um, and then a Jack and Coke, but you need to understand a Jack and Coke for me was a 32 ounce Jack and Coke. Mm -hmm. And it was <clears throat> literally fill your, uh, your 32 ounce cup, um, halfway full of ice, uh, keep pouring Jack Daniels until the, uh, until all the ice floated and then top it off with Coke. And then it's Coke. Yeah. Um, literally it, it was hilarious. Um, when I first moved out here to Utah, um, I had a Coke, um, just a plain Coke for the first time. And I'm like, this tastes weird and <laughs> it's missing. Something. Yeah. It's missing something. And my wife's like, it doesn't have Jack Daniels in it. So it's going to taste different. Uh. I'm like, holy cow. That was kind of a wake up call for me that I needed to right. think about doing something different. Um, and then talking to a bunch of friends uh, and literally a buddy of mine committed suicide. Um, he just decided one day that, hey, I can't, I can't live with everything that was going on. He's a, a good, solid teammate and just gone. Let's, uh, let's talk about two things there. One is talking to a bunch of friends. Who did you talk to? And number, the second one is why do you think he committed suicide? Uh, let's see, talking to a bunch of friends, um, our, te our teams, we were super, super tight. Um, if like one of, one of our guys, uh, if their kid was having, having problems in school, uh, we would do anything we could to help them out. If it was within our power, we made it happen. You know, if they needed a tutor or if they needed, um, somebody to pick them up and take them to school, we would take care of it. I mean, it's, we were kind of our own little family, uh, within the teams, but, it was kind of an unwritten rule that if you had something that was really bothering you personally, uh -huh. you didn't really talk about it. You're like, Hey, I'm fine. And that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Uh, my thing is that, you know, I, I'm going to count you lucky on one hand because you had dudes you could talk to. Yeah. Um, Talking to Robert Snow a few days ago, he said that he had uh, a moment where, among other family issues, he found out that his daughter was uh, both gay and suicidal. Mm -hmm. And 
that was hard, of course, on both of both him and his uh, yeah. his wife. But the last thing he wants to do, and again, this is coming from a man's point of view, and we're all idiots. Yeah. But he's uh, gonna. There's gonna be times for him where he's not gonna talk to to his wife about that because he doesn't want to dump on her because she's already got a tray full. Yeah. So he's going to uh, take a look at who else he can talk to, and the answer is nobody, and so he's going to keep it in. Yeah, and that was me with Jack Daniels. Uh, yeah, Jack Daniels was your favorite. Friend. Oh, yeah. he was. Jack was who you uh, oh, yeah. went to talk to. Yep. How'd that work out for you? Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, it is funny because now, you know, being sober now for, uh, what is it, six years, uh-huh. You know, looking back on it, it's like, you're an idiot. Uh-huh. You know, you had all these cool guys that have been through exactly the same stuff. Uh-huh. And most of them were standing right next to you when uh, all the stuff happened. And all you had to do is just go, hey, bro, remember this? Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. And we didn't. There there it's funny how sometimes we have that individual i mean if you've got that individual that's a gift that's that's magical that's amazing most of us don't have that but even when we do we still don't always go to that guy or that group yeah you know and it's 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 funny too because like a lot of the i had a teammate um very very similar careers paralleled each other did a lot of the same things together um, did a lot of the same cases together and he was an LDS guy. Uh-huh. Um, and to sit there and work with him, you would never know that he's like ultra re- religious. Right. Um, but when you talk to him on a personal level, rather than just work, he's very open about, uh, his religious uh, beliefs. He's very open about, Hey, this is what drives me. This is what helps me focus. This is what what helps me keep, as we used to call them, the demons at bay. Uh-huh. Um, and he was like literally hands down the best example for me um, to have as that friend that you could reach out to and go, hey, bro, um, I'm not feeling right on this. Um, you know, that... That dude that just raped, you know, six kids and we're going to put him away for 200 plus years and everything else. I wanted to kill him. Uh, yeah. And he's yeah, like, that, that well, seems like a sane reaction to me. Well, yeah. And it, the funny part is when you talk to like the team guys and stuff like that, um, all of us wanted to kill him. Uh-huh. But, you know, the reality is if we do that, we're really no better than they are, you know, and sitting down with Daniel and talking with him about that kind of stuff was like, holy crap. We can be just as bad as these demons that we're putting, putting away for the rest of their lives, or we can be just a step above. And then that's when my competitive nature kicked in, you know, and it's like, no, I got to be better than they are. <laughs> the bar is really low. Yeah, the bar is really low, but I just got to be a little bit better than they are. You know, and it, and it's funny how um being in that world and especially with the sex trades and the um 
the prostitution and, you know, back then they didn't really call it uh, human trafficking. It was just the sex trades. Uh-huh. Um, and it was so dirty and so seedy and everything else. Like literally I'd go home and my wife would be like, Hey, what's going on? What happened last night? Uh, well, you know, there was this four year old that, uh, this guy, uh, tried to rape and now, and she's like, wait, wait, four year old. Yeah. I, I can't, I, I can't deal with that. I go, I, I get it. I don't want you to deal with it. You don't, you don't need to see the things that I've seen. You don't need to, to deal with the things that I've dealt with. And she's just like, I never realized this was the stuff that you were doing. And that probably has much to do with the, uh, the guy on your team who committed suicide. Yeah. Is those sorts of things. Um, what would have, and I recognize it's human nature for everybody to blame themselves, even if grandma who's 98 years old dies. Yeah. But what, looking back on it, what could he have done? What could his wife have done? What could the team have done? In all honesty. Um, and I want to focus actually on him because yeah. it's not, a, you know, everybody's responsible for themselves. Yeah. And I, you know. I want to let you talk, but at, at the same time, I'm responsible for me. Right. And I need, if I need to talk to somebody, then I need to go find somebody to talk to. I, yeah. I can't expect them to walk up to me and say, start talking. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a hundred percent fact. If you feel like you need to talk to somebody, go talk to somebody. Right. Bottom line. Don't even, don't even think twice about it. Go talk to somebody. You right. know, um, it, you know, with, with his case, um, he had been through a very nasty divorce um, and then got remarried, had um, a great relationship with his, uh, with his stepchildren and everything else, uh, was coaching him in hockey and everything else, uh, was just having what appeared to be a wonderful life. And huh. then one morning his wife comes out and he's sitting in the car with the garage door closed and the engine running. Mm, they'd probably had some sort of a fight and yeah, I guess we can all yeah conjure. Yeah. You know, and, um, it, in talking with his wife, um, she, he literally had a bunch of pictures of his family right there so that when he went to sleep, that was going to be the last thing that he saw. His family, meaning the family that he was living with probably his kids from the previous marriage. No, it was his current family. Um, but you know, I, I never got a chance to meet uh, his uh, prior wife, uh-huh. so I don't really know what happened with all that. All I know is it was a very nasty divorce. Yeah, and uh, I'm guessing in in your profession, like you say, you don't always want to bring stuff home. Yeah, and we do that. You know, maybe there's in a uh, in a saner world like mine compared to yours yeah maybe i might come home and say yeah joe stole my pencil today mm-hmm. um and if she's not interested in hearing it or if i just don't don't want to talk about it yeah uh, i think they start to figure out that we're shutting them out yeah and then the uh the why are you shutting me out and marriages go badly oh yeah and 
there's there was a time where my wife and I did not have a great relationship and there was even talk of hey maybe we should separate you know and it's I'll tell you what that's that's a wake up call for you yeah so let's let's go over that what led up to that uh and what was the switch that flipped after you know when 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 you had that conversation how did that go and then what changed well there were a number of things that um that led up to it. Number one, you know, all the trauma of everything that I was doing for a living, that's, you know, it just constantly follows you. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't, I can't walk into a nasty bathroom that just smells like urine without it triggering all the memories of all the seedy places that I've been because that urine smell is just constantly there. Um, that and the smell of, of fresh blood. Fresh blood. Yeah. Um, even like when I get a bloody nose, I have to remind myself now, um, no, I'm in a safe place. I'm not back with uh, all the violence and everything else that is going on. I'm not in that situation. I have to look around at my surroundings and make sure that the people that are important to me are there. Um, I'm dreading the day that I get like a bloody nose and I'm out in the middle of nowhere with <laughs> just myself. Cause then it's going to be like, okay, God, you and I need to have a quick conversation about where I'm at and, and that I'm in a good place, you know? So, uh, you got all of those, uh, poison darts b- bouncing around inside of you. Anytime you smell urine or blood, Yep. how does, uh, what's the pathway for that affecting her? Um, Let's see. It pretty much was, she could tell, and she tells the story so perfectly. She goes, I can tell um, by the way the Velcro comes off at night, um, whether it was a good night or a bad night. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay. And, And she tells people all the time, she goes, the absolute worst sound in the world is Velcro because she can tell literally whether it's been a good night or a bad night. And uh, when it's been a bad night, what did it look and feel like? Um, well, I, I'll go back to uh, March 25th, um, 2014. Um, we were getting ready to go hit a fugitive, and um, we get... Uh, call to the office, like literally we're setting up to, we're going to go crash this door and we're about to put a guy away for about 70 years. Um, he's, he was going to die in prison. Um, as soon as we put the the habeas gravis on him, um, we get a phone call from uh, police dispatch. Hey, uh, a specialist is down, which is one of the patrol rifle guys. Um, and we need all special operations, uh, to respond to the area. Um, and then, I literally get a text from uh, my wife, are you okay? And I'm like, I can't answer you right now um, because now we're, we're, getting, we're gearing up to get out to uh, the scene and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm running a team. I've got 10 other guys that I've got to worry about. And there's so much stuff going on that it probably took me a half hour to be able to respond uh, back to that text. Um, and I just sent back a message. I'm okay. There's a specialist down. It's not me. Yeah. That's it. 
Um, and she used to tell me, she goes, I knew if I ever got a call from one of your friends while you were working, it's bad. But if I get a call from you, it's good. Yeah. And I'm like, holy cow. You know, and I never took that into account. And she never told me that until after I, I was forced to retire. So you've got uh, your buddy Jack Daniels working with you. Oh, yeah. You've got um, you've got all those, uh, I called them poison darts, but I want to call them like little cancers yeah. bouncing around inside your, your, yep. your brain and soul. You come home, you're dark, she could probably feel it. What, uh, what caused the bad stuff and then, uh, the bad parts of the marriage and then what caused the good parts? Um, the bad parts were usually, they would start out with my drinking because, uh -huh. because of, you know, I'm dealing with some, tr some trauma or something that, you know, she didn't know anything about because, you know, after six or seven times of being told, I, I don't want, I can't, I I, there, that's just too, that's too much for me. Um, she's just like, um, okay, uh, go do whatever you got to go do. Go talk to whoever you got to go talk to. Um, and the easiest one was always Jack Daniels. So I'm of two minds here. One is my first thought is she can't ever tell you don't talk to me. Because then you're just going to keep it in and yeah. then you become at risk of being the guy who yeah. is found in the garage with the picture of your family. Yep. But I don't want to blame her either. No. Well, and it took me, let's see, I finally kind of started to wise up, I guess you would say. Uh -huh. Um I got injured and literally lost the use of three fingers on my uh, on my left hand, um, and I was still working, still still on the team, still doing hits and everything else. And um, we, were, my wife and I, were chatting um, the morning before I went into work, and I picked up my coffee cup and it's shaking. Um, and she's like, "What's wrong with your hand?" I go, oh, you know, it's from that fight. It's just, it's just taking some time to heal up. And she's like, no, you can't, you can't go to work with your hand that messed up. She goes, here, grab this for me and hands me like a two pound uh, thing of sugar or something like that. I can't even remember what the heck it was. And it literally slipped out of my hand. She's like, hold on to it. And it slips out of my hand again. And she goes, you can't go to work doing the stuff that you're doing with your injured hand. I go, I'm just running the team. I've, got, I've always got a partner. I don't ever have to worry about it. If we have to fight with somebody, I can just shoot them and, and it'll be totally justified. She goes, great. So you're going to kill somebody because you can't fight. <laughs> you know, and it's just... <laughs> the wisdom of a woman. You know, <laughs> It, it was funny because I'm like, okay, yeah, we probably need to do something different about this. Um, and went to the docs. The docs were like, yeah, you're, you're a very strong candidate for surgery. Let's, let's set up the MRI and, you know, go that route. And then they literally find out that uh, three fingers, the tendons that uh, bring them in, 
um, are literally hanging by like what they call them Newton meters of of threads. Oh well. Um, so they're like, hey, you grab a hold of something really hard, you're gonna tear, you're gonna tear what's left, and you're not gonna have any use of your fingers at all. Ouch. Um. So you know that that's like us guys, though. Oh yeah. We we think that whatever it is, we can handle it. Oh, I was invincible. I'm not going to lie. I was totally invincible. And even when we can't, and it's obvious we can't, we still think we can handle it until we don't. And then the world blows up. Yep. Yep. So that sounds bad. Mm -hmm. Um, How did we fix this? Um, To be honest with you, I sat down with um, an old sergeant of mine and I go, hey, Sarge, you know, this is what's going on you know, and I'm talking to you because this is off the record. You and I are not having this conversation. Um, I know that me being injured is going to cause a problem. I could end up losing, uh, my position. I could end up losing my job. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of variables here, um, that are going to come into play and I need some good solid advice. And luckily my Sarge was Johnny on the spot and he goes, look, first things first, why don't you go see a counselor? Interesting. Not a not a hand doc, a counselor. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first thing he said. And you gotta love Ray because he's he pretty much taught me you don't mince words. If something needs to be said, you gotta say it. Right. Uh and unless I'm, we're talking about the family and the wife and yeah. your own stuff. Yeah. And he goes, Your hand, we can deal with that. That's just an injury. But everything else that's going on with you, because I've been watching you, you're on a dangerous path, son. <laughs> Mike, if I didn't like you right now, if you weren't one of my favorite sergeants, I'd probably be popping you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, the the harsh reality of it was is he is 100% right, 100% right. Um, so I literally, that put me on a four year tour of sitting down and getting with once a week, uh, with a counselor. Um, it took me three of them before I found the one I liked. Um, Mm -hmm. and literally it, it got to the point where it was like, I was having coffee with a friend of mine. Right. You know, and literally I just made that my routine. Um, I would just schedule right before I go into work. Um, I go in, get my first cup of coffee, um, sit down and have a cup of coffee, coffee with Lois. We'd have a conversation about how the week went and how everything was going and anything that the week would bring up any prior PTS stuff, um, and just kind of work our way through it. Um, and then she would encourage me not to drink as much, Mm -hmm. you know, but then, Kind of some of the other realities were, hey, you know what? I'm still the type A personality. I'm going to do it my way and screw you. I'm going to keep drinking. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, how many uh, How many problems did, did Jack solve so, for you? All about none. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, I think he created way more than he solved. <laughs> So what was the switch that got flipped that took you from the low point that you were at to where you are now? Um, actually I went lower. I went way lower. Um, I was forced to retire because of my hand injury. Uh Um, they give you a year to come back. Um, I burned up my year. Um, 
in the meantime, during that year, my, my third daughter, my third child, my uh, second daughter was born. Um, so I got to spend almost nine and a half months with her, um, as, as uh, right after she was born. So, and it's amazing how that started to have the effect on me. Like this little baby is going to rely on me for the rest of her life, you know, and I already had two kids. Right. Um, and I mean, literally, th- legitimately, there'd be nights when I would come home from work and I would crawl in bed with my son and just sit there and bawl my eyes out. Because he was the same age as a kid that I pulled out of the swimming pool and saved his life that day. You know, and to tell my wife that, she's like, how, how are you dealing with this? I'm just like, well, had an extra jack last night. Like the rest of us, you shove it down and, yeah. and there it is. Until, it override. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is until it comes out puke style. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, it's hilarious when I, I look back now and I'm like, you know what, all I had to do was sit there and go, okay, the amount of resources that I had through the police department to deal with all this stuff, literally at my fingertips, all I had to do was ask. All I had to do was just ask. Wow. Yeah, I I feel like I, I need to put that on rewind. Yeah. And... And repeat that over and over again, black and italicized and underlined. Yeah. Well, and and it's funny too, because like I tell people all the time, Hey dude, if you're struggling, reach out. I don't care who it is. Reach out. If you need to reach out, reach out to me. Okay. You may not know who I am, but reach out to me, get a hold of me on social media, shoot me a DM, shoot me, whatever. I will make sure that there's somebody that I, with the resources that I, that I have, I can reach out to somebody and make sure that you have the right people to help you. That is a fabulous idea. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, there's actually a lot of value in maybe reaching out to somebody who you totally don't know. Yeah. Because for me, for example, let's say that I had a, um, I don't know, a porn addiction. I'm not Mm going to talk to my wife about that. No, especially not that. I'm not going to talk to my best friend about that. Yeah, because then they're going to judge you. Right. And, yeah, I might lose the friendship. Yeah. And he's not going to know what to say anyway. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go talk to my neighbor about that. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely, I'm not going to go talk to the clergy about that. No. So it's me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's that or whether, whether, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's, it's me, it, it's going to get shoved down there into mm-hmm. whatever that place is that seems that we think is a bottomless pit Yep. until it's full. And then it comes out in a way that isn't good. Right. So the answer is to reach out. Yeah. You know, and it, it cracked me up because I had a buddy of mine, uh, send me a text message, um, Literally, we, I just got done with like a hellacious week. Um, like we did like five entries in, in a week and they were all good, hard entries and everything else. And I'm just sitting at home and I'm just chilling and I get a text message from a buddy. He's like, Hey, can you talk to my friend? I'm like, about what? He goes, I think he's about ready to kill himself. I'm like, what's his background? 
He goes, well, um, he's an army guy. He was over in Afghanistan, uh, truck up, blown up. I'm like, just dude, give my number and we're going to chat. Mm-hmm. And he's like, seriously? I go, yeah, give him my number right now and have him call me. And totally, I, I didn't anticipate this guy actually calling me and he calls me up and he goes, Hey, so I hear you're, uh, I hear you're like the, the suicide guy. I'm like, well, yeah, but what about it? I mean, what's going on with you, dude? I want to talk about you. We ain't talking about me. And he goes, well, my truck got blown up. I'm like, I heard that. Why don't you tell me about it? He started to tell me about his teammates and how he lost two of his teammates and um, how he holds himself accountable for their deaths and everything else. I go, dude, first of all, did you plant that IED? He goes, no. And I'm, how the hell are you responsible for their death? Yes. And he goes, well, I am because they're my teammates. I go, dude, there's nobody more that's going to believe that than me. However, you are not responsible for their deaths. That was just their time. They were just in that place at that point, at that point in time, there is nothing you're going to be able to do. And I go, Hey dude, just tell me right now, what's your plan? He goes, what do you mean? I go, how are you going to kill yourself? Yeah. What did he say? He goes, it was a long silence and I'm like, okay, so he already had his plan. That told me right then and there that he had his plan of how he was going to do it. And I go, okay. So how's it going to be, bro? How's it going to be? What are you going to do? He's like, well, I was thinking about just taking my pistol and putting it in my mouth and taking care of it. I go, okay, that's going to be effective. What are you going to do when your wife finds you? What's your wife going to think? What if your kid finds you? Yeah. And he goes, I didn't think about that. I go, bro, I'm asking you because I don't want you to do that. And he's like, dude, I've never thought about that. It's always been about me. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, I, I totally get it. However... This is a permanent solution to a very, very temporary problem. Robert was talking about uh, tree rings. Yeah. And how some, if you uh, open up a tree, you can see that some years were better than others. Oh, yeah. And there's there's years where there's fires or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when the tree survives, there's fatter years. Oh, yeah. I love the analogy. Oh, yeah. And it it, it fits so perfectly because it is so true. You know, this is just a mere blip in time, you know, of the, the struggle that you're going through. And if you take the time to sit there and deal with it right then and there, sometimes it's, hey, I just need to get through the next 10 seconds. Sometimes it's, I need to get through the next minute. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's, I just need to get through the next hour. And then, hey, I'm just going to get through the next two hours or the next 24 hours, the next 36 hours or the next 48 hours. And each time, just add a little bit more time to it. Hey, I just need to get through this. I just need to get through this. And I guarantee you, it's going to get better. It does get better. Yeah. Especially when we, uh, you know, we talk about manning up. Oh, absolutely. And man up doesn't mean uh, shove this down too. In this case, man up means go find somebody to talk to. Yeah. 
You, you've got to deal with it because if you don't deal with it, it's only going to get worse. Right. You have to 100% deal with it. You tell, telling me that Jack doesn't, uh, doesn't solve that one? No. Yeah, okay. It well, just, it just suppresses it. Well, I'll take that off the table for me. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Please learn from my bad habits. <laughs> you, you know, and I've been there. Uh, there was a day when I was planning on my, on my own suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was going to be a red topless sports car. It was going to be a Canyon and I was going to run off the road and hit into a river full of rocks. Yeah. And then everybody would think that you just lost control. Yep. Yep. And then the insurance gets paid. Yep. And, uh, my, my kids have an income. And, uh, thank goodness I didn't do that one, Yeah, but I had it planned. Yeah. It, it, and it's funny because in now that I've become more open about this stuff, it's funny how many people I meet Uh or actually I should take that back. How many guys I've met that they've had their plan. They just didn't execute on it. Yeah. You know? And it's like, dude. You're not the only one. Trust me on this. It's going to feel like you're the only one, but you are not. When you had your lowest moment and you alluded to the fact that uh, we haven't gotten to your lowest moment yet. No. You want to talk for a moment about your lowest moment? Yeah. Um, Let's see. It was uh, April 24th, uh, 2015. Um, I was scheduled to go into the dock and he was going to look at my hand for the last time and determine whether or not, uh, my career was going to continue. I literally, um, I was a team leader for one of the most elite units within the police department. I was doing all kinds of great things. And because of this injury that was all taken away from me, I had literally, I was, Number one on the the canine test, which is exactly how I wanted to uh, finish out my career. I was going to do seven years in canine. I had eight years left. I could have sunsetted uh, my last year to be able to stay in canine and then retire as a canine officer. Um, literally, for I I timed it. I looked at my watch and it had just clicked over twelve. I walked in, sat down to the docks. The doc looked at me and goes, because of your injuries, everything that's going on, I'm going to recommend nothing but retirement for you. That's all I have to say about this. We're not here to discuss this today. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, To say there's no discussion, that's insult to injury. Yeah. Yeah. Salt in the wound. Yeah. 32 seconds is all it took for him to say that and walk out of the office. My career was over. And you had nobody to even... August 5th, they retired me. And now you're out on your ear and wondering what you're going to do with your life. Yeah. Well, and to be honest with you, I thought I thought 100% that I was going to be able to convince the doc, hey, I'm getting better and I'm going to be able to... Uh, be back to full duty. I'm going to go take my canine spot and everything else. Um, I'm going to retire with a full pension and everything else. Um, didn't even didn't even look think stop to think about what was going to happen if they retired me. And literally went out to I went out to my truck that uh, that day and went. What does this mean? And went over. Uh, 
again, called up my, my Sarge and told him what had happened, uh, bawling my freaking eyes out. Um, and he goes, well, you're lucky because you've got over 15 years. Um, so they're not going to try and do a back pay thing. If you get, if you get another job, um, they have to, they are forced to train you for another job. Um, they will have to give you at least 50% of your, um, retirement. I go, okay, 50%. How the hell am I going to live on that? Right. You're making a cop's wages. Uh, that's, yeah, a, a cop's wages in the Bay in in the Bay Area in California. You know, I was pulling in 120k. Mm-hmm. You know, and now that's cut in half. Yeah, that's 60. That doesn't keep you alive in Cali. No, no. Um, so we started. My wife and I started seriously talking about, hey, okay, what's going to happen? Um, and I had. Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 700 hours of uh, vacation time uh, set up on the books because I never took time off. Right. Um, so I literally, that day, I went into the my Sarge and said, hey, boss, this is what they told me. Um, I'm not sure how this looks. I'm not even sure when my time is, but I'm going to need some time to kind of process this. going to need about 700 hours. Yeah, well... Um, Dave was real good about it. He's just like, Hey bro, do what you need to do. It, it's no big deal. Um, we, as administration, were kind of thinking that's how this was going to go. Um, and I'm like, well, what the F dude, you could have freaking told me at least then it would, would have been less of a shock, but you know, it kind of is what it is at that point in time. Right. And I go, Hey, I just need just give me a couple of days off so that I can kind of process this. And in all honesty, it was, all right, where's the nearest bar? Go find Jack. Oh yeah. He's got the answer. Oh no, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't even mess with Jack. I was going any, anything stronger than that, that I could possibly find. Right. That was where I was going. Um, and literally I thought about going to the bar, but then I'm like, okay, I know I am going to be just plowed when I leave that bar, uh-huh. and I don't want to endanger somebody else's life. So I'm going to just go home. And literally went home, sat in the, in the house there, no lights on, middle of the day, um, and proceeded to drink myself until I passed out. A saner reaction. Yeah. Okay. Here's the question. Mm-hmm. How was having your hand injured and being fired a blessing? Oh, huge blessing. So, um, April 24th, um, they told me they were going to retire me. Um, August 5th, I was retired. Um, September 19th, we made the decision that we were going to move out of the state. And November 23rd, uh, 2015, we were here in Utah. So that all happened very, very quickly. Um, and the funny part is we had we had always talked about moving out of state when I retired just because of the expenses and everything else. Uh-huh. Um, 
but you know, we thought we had five to seven years uh, right. to go before that was going to happen. And it just didn't. Um, we had talked about going to Nevada um, because uh, my wife has a bunch of family there and everything. So we're like, okay, Nevada would be really cool. Um, I can still keep the firearms training stuff going and all that kind of stuff. But then I can't do a whole lot of the same stuff just because my hand's injured. So I may not be able to do the home maintenance and all that kind of stuff that is it your, it's your left hand, right? It's my left hand and I'm right-handed. So that was okay. a fortunate thing. So you said, uh, that moved you to Utah. Um, why did the hand of God, I don't see the connection yet with the hand of God. Why, why did, uh, you getting fired and having your hand issue? Why was that a gift from God? Um, number one, it taught me that the ultimate struggle is your ultimate strength. Um, because I literally lost, in my opinion, uh, my opinion at the time, I should say, not my current opinion, my opinion at the time, I literally had lost everything. I could not lose anything else. And the reality is I had a wife, I had three kids. Um, I still was alive. I'm going to go back that back to the man card. You had your whole man card soaked in the, my job. Yeah. Corner. Yeah. That was exactly it. And they took your job away and you became in your own mind. Nothing. Yeah. I went from being an elite person in my field to a nobody. To a dude. Yeah. yeah just a person, just yeah. a pile of flesh that weighs about 200 pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, and the the absolute irony of all of it was we weren't even planning on moving to Utah. We had no, it wasn't even on our radar. And we woke up one morning and I looked over at my wife, my wife looked at me and we both at the same time go, what about Utah? Uh-huh. And we were like, what? Did you just, okay, well, let's talk about that. So we started talking about it. And she has a number of family here. Um, I didn't really have uh, family. I didn't have any family here. Um, but my my dad only lives like five hours away, which puts us eight hours closer to him. Uh-huh. So it was like, okay, this could actually work. Um, so when we started looking at houses and everything, it was like, okay, let's do this. Um, but then my son, um, he had a, he our realtor. Um, she, her son was, is literally, um, a month younger than my son. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because now I call him my number, my second son. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, his Logan's best friend now, um, he obviously he was born, uh, as an LDS, uh, person, uh-huh. uh, he was, his family's all LDS and everything. And Logan started hanging out with him playing basketball and doing sports. And then they were doing scout stuff and everything else. And literally their scout master said, Hey, if, you know, since your son wants to come, you're more than welcome. I'm like, Hey, we're not LDS though. And I, you know, I'm not, not really interested in all that. Uh, uh-huh. Um, and he goes, that's no problem. 
we just want the dads to be involved. So why don't you, anytime you want to come to any of the campouts, anytime you want to come to the events, just come along. I'm like, dude, I'm not doing anything now anyways. I'm just going to sit at home and get drunk. So might as well go do something productive. You know, at least start to get to know everybody around here since I'm going to be sitting at home a lot, uh-huh. you know. And it was hilarious because shortly thereafter, um, the young men's leader at the time knocks on my door. And mind you, I'm probably three scotches in when he knocked on the door. Right. Um, and he goes, hey, I hear, I hear that you're a firearms instructor. I'm like, yeah, and I'm a really good one, you know, just being the cocky guy that I am. Um, And he goes, I want you to teach our youth. And mind you, I'm like, holy crap, I'm totally buzzing right now. And now we're having a conversation about me teaching a bunch of church kids how to shoot. That means I got to clean up my language. I got to clean up how I teach this. I can't talk about the violence part. I can't be, holy cow. Okay. How am I going to do this? So right then it started making me think, well, you know what? Maybe I should slow down drinking. And I'm like, this might actually help. So I go and I teach these, uh, these 16 boys, um, that are 15, 16, 17 and 18 years old or 17 years old, Uh um, for two days. Never once did I see any of them argue with each other. Never once did I hear any of them cuss. Uh I always saw them helping out, and these are the ones that are influencing my son. That makes a difference. Oh, that was huge. It was absolutely huge. And really, the only thing that's different is they're all religious. Uh Uh-huh. Somebody uh, reminds me of a quote where I uh, I heard, you know, when you see somebody treat your children nicely, you look at them differently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then here's kind of the funny part. My son all of a sudden decides that he wants to have the missionary discussions and everything else. And then me being the very overprotective father that I am, I go over my dead body. Uh-huh. Not unless I'm there to make sure that my son is protected. Right. Um, and come to find out the funny part is it was working on me just like it was working on him. (laughs) Um, so November 26th, that is, that is our day. Um, both my son and I got baptized in Hobble Creek, um, in in Hobble Creek, the actual Creek, um, the day after Thanksgiving in 2016. So let me ask you this one and then I'm going to circle back. Um, who are you now? Oh, geez. Huh. Let's see. Who am I now? I am a retired police officer um, with three absolutely wonderful children, um, an amazing marriage, um, who's a sober alcoholic, um, who is living my absolute best life. I would love to ask what your best, absolute best life is, but I can't go there right now. Here's my question for you, okay. and then we'll we'll finish up. Why was getting fired and having your hand damaged a gift from God? 
It showed me how to suffer. Showed you how to suffer. I'm thinking it took you. It was the pathway towards you yeah. having the life that you have now. Yeah. You, you just painted a very beautiful picture of the life that you have now. And yep. it's not the life that you had. Yep. And I need an answer for for why the hand thing and the fire thing, or maybe that's not it. Why was that a gift from God, or what what else was it that, that made your life what it is today? Um, it was a culmination of a lot of th- a lot of different things. The my hand being injured forced me to lose my job. Uh-huh. Um, me losing my job forced me to move to actually open my mind to move out of state. Um, and to move out of state meant that I had to start all my friendships all over again. Um, so I had I was pretty much going, hey, you need to go do something different with your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to write you, and here's here's a brand new page, brand new chapter. There's absolutely nothing written on it. You get to write that yourself. And you did. And I did. And literally, it was the quote from um, my neighbor across the street, um, we don't care who you are. We just want you to be here with us. And then, what was it? Um, we were about three quarters of the way through uh, the missionary discussions um, with uh, our missionaries. And here's the, kind of a crack up thing. The missionary that came to one of the missionaries that came to give us the lessons, he was a fireman. He was a volunteer fireman before he went on his mission. And as soon as I found that out, being the cop and him being the fireman, we just sat there and bantered back and forth. And we had that instant relationship. And I'm like, now knowing everything that I know, 100%, God needed to put him in my life for me to be able to change my life. And there's no way that I would have moved here without me injuring my hand and being forced to retire. And honestly, I see this over and over again, where the worst thing that we, in our lives, becomes exactly what we need to have happen. Yep. Without a doubt. And, you know, obviously, I'm going to mention, I when I asked you those questions, I didn't have any idea what the answer was going to be. Yeah. It was entirely possible for me that you're going to say, well, it wasn't a gift from God at all. It sucked, and it still sucks. Oh, no, it sucked. It sucked going through it. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but now that I get to look back on it and see where I was then and where I am now, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And all I had to do was open my mind so that my heart could open up. Part of my responsibility, too, is not just to ask you to be vulnerable, but me be vulnerable myself. I had that moment, too. Yeah. I had that moment where I was told beforehand that I was going to walk down a ramp with a metal grating on it. And that metal was there so that if it was snowy, then you didn't slip on the slope. Mm-hmm. And I knew beforehand that I was going to walk down that pissed. And it would be because I was fired. Well, that moment happened. And then it was like, and then your life will start. And I'm like, what do you mean my life will start? <laughs> I was unemployed for months. I, I was trying to figure out how to pay the bills. Yeah. I ended up getting a job where I took a 25% pay cut. It was humiliating. It yeah. was degrading. 
and it pissed me off. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, God, what part of this is my life starting? Yeah. That's, that's, where, that's where I met my wife. Outstanding. <laughs> 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 well, it, you know, it, it, it cracks me up how he works because there's so many times when you can sit there and go, why did I have to go? Oh, never mind. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're going through it, you're like, why does this need to happen? Yeah. You know, and it, it's funny because now it, 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 it's hilarious. I'll be talking to somebody and I'll look up and go, really? This is what, okay. All right. This is what we're going to do then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sucks. Todd, you, uh, we could, we could go for, for hours and days yep. and I, I think I'd like to have you back and we'll have a totally di different discussion about different stuff. Awesome. But. Thank you. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Anytime we can help somebody, I'm down for it. Um, I like your idea. Which one? And let's talk about uh, this one still while we're on the air. If somebody feels suicidal. Yep. I think we need to set up a, a hotline. Absolutely. I think it's 1-855-227-2211, uh, something like that. Um, there's, it's a national hotline that's already there, but it, it may not be the one that's right for you. Yeah. Like, and those are pr trained professionals for me. I'd be like, I don't want a trained professional. I want a human. Yeah. I want some dude that's been through the grinder that knows, Hey, you know, when life sucks, uh -huh. they've been there. They know, they know what being at the bottom of everything is. I'm going to get a phone number so that people could call that number mm -hmm. and then we'll figure out how to distribute it to wherever it goes. Yeah. What's your, um, if somebody wants to talk to you about, uh, gun safety or being trained, uh, let's give you a, uh, you know, a minute for a, uh, <laughs> for a Todd commercial. What do you do and uh, how do they get a hold of you? Um, I do firearms and tactical training. I do preparedness training. I do wellness training. Um, easy way to get a hold of me is at uh, nielsentraining.com or at bpmfinc.com. I just started a new company where I have a training center here in Utah uh, where you can come in and learn physical training, wellness, uh, wellness training, preparedness training, and firearms and tactical training. BPMF. Yep. Uh, be prepared more frank. Be, be present, mindful, and fit. Okay. Well, they got it twice. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it's it's great because, number one, you got to be. Uh -huh. And you have to be present. You right. have to be mindful, so you have to have the right mindset. And then you have to be some form of physical fitness. Mm -hmm. You don't have to look like the Statue of David. Uh, I'm a walking example of that. You don't have to be look like the Statue of David. You are David. <laughs> well, I, I've been very blessed with the, the last year of uh, some very good coaching and very good training uh, for, uh, from John Chase. But the uh, the reality is if you go out and, and get a walk in for 20 minutes a day, mm -hmm. just just that, it's amazing what it can do for your physical fitness and your endurance levels. BPMF.com? Yeah, BPMFinc.com. Inc. INC.com. Yep. You'll see my picture all over it. So thanks, Todd. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for listening to this vandalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, 
Here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalyzing. Manalyzing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalyzing.com. Thank you.